chapter forty of the ordeal of richard feverel this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the ordeal of richard feverel by george meredith chapter forty sir austin feverel had come to town with the serenity of a philosopher who says tis now time and the satisfaction of a man who has not arrived thereat without a struggle he had almost forgiven his son his deep love for him had well-nigh shaken loose from wounded pride and more tenacious vanity stirrings of a remote sympathy for the creature who had robbed him of his son and hewed at his system were in his heart of hearts this he knew and in his own mind he took credit for his softness but the world must not suppose him soft the world must think he was still acting on his system otherwise what would his long absence signify something highly unphilosophical so though love was strong and was moving him to a straightforward course the last tug of vanity drew him still aslant the aphorist read himself so well that to juggle with himself was a necessity as he wished the world to see him he beheld himself one who entirely put aside mere personal feelings one in whom parental duty based on the science of life was paramount a scientific humanist in short he was therefore rather surprised at a coldness in lady blandish's manner when he did appear at last said the lady in a sad way that sounded reproachfully now the scientific humanist had of course nothing to reproach himself with but where was richard adrian positively averred he was not with his wife if he had gone said the baronet he would have anticipated me by a few hours this when repeated to lady blandish should have propitiated her and shown his great forgiveness she however sighed and looked at him wistfully their converse was not happy and deeply intimate philosophy did not seem to catch her mind and fine phrases encountered a rueful assent more flattering to their grandeur than to their influence days went by richard did not present himself sir austin's pitch of self-command was to await the youth without signs of impatience seeing this the lady told him her fears for richard and mentioned the rumour of him that was about if said the baronet this person his wife is what you paint her i do not share your fears for him i think too well of him if she is one to inspire the sacredness of that union i think too well of him it is impossible the lady saw one thing to be done call her to you she said have her with you at raynham recognize her it is the disunion and doubt that so confuses him and drives him wild i confess to you i hoped he had gone to her it seems not if she is with you his way will be clear will you do that science is notoriously a slow movement lady blandish's proposition was far too hasty for sir austin women rapid by nature have no idea of science we shall see her there in time emmeline at present let it be between me and my son he spoke loftily in truth it offended him to be asked to do anything when he had just brought himself to do so much a month elapsed and richard appeared on the scene the meeting between him and his father was not what his father had expected and had crooned over in the welsh mountains richard shook his hand respectfully and inquired after his health with the common social solicitude he then said during your absence sir 
i have taken the liberty without consulting you to do something in which you are more deeply concerned than myself i have taken upon myself to find out my mother and place her under my care i trust you will not think i have done wrong i acted as i thought best sir austin replied you are of an age richard to judge for yourself in such a case i would have you simply beware of deceiving yourself in imagining that you considered any one but yourself in acting as you did i have not deceived myself sir said richard and the interview was over both hated an exposure of the feelings and in that both were satisfied but the baronet as one who loves hoped and looked for tones indicative of trouble and delight in the deep heart and richard gave him none of those the young man did not even face him as he spoke if their eyes met by chance richard's were defiantly cold his whole bearing was changed this rash marriage has altered him said the very just man of science in life and that meant it has debased him he pursued his reflections i see in him the desperate maturity of a suddenly ripened nature and but for my faith that good work is never lost what should i think of the toil of my years lost perhaps to me lost to him it may show itself in his children the philosopher we may conceive has contentment in benefiting embryos but it was a somewhat bitter prospect to sir austin bitterly he felt the injury to himself one little incident spoke well of richard a poor woman called at the hotel while he was missing the baronet saw her and she told him a tale that threw christian light on one part of richard's nature but this might gratify the father in sir austin it did not touch the man of science a federal his son would not do less he thought he sat down deliberately to study his son no definite observations enlightened him richard ate and drank joked and laughed he was generally before adrian in calling for a fresh bottle he talked easily of current topics his gaiety did not sound forced in all he did nevertheless there was not the air of a youth who sees a future before him sir austin put that down it might be carelessness and wanton blood for no one could say he had much on his mind the man of science was not reckoning that richard also might have learned to act and wear a mask dead subjects this is to say people not on their guard he could penetrate and dissect it is by a rare chance as scientific men well know that one has an opportunity of examining the structure of the living however that rare chance was granted to sir austin they were engaged to dine with mrs doria at the forays and walked down to her in the afternoon father and son arm in arm adrian beside them previously the offended father had condescended to inform his son that it would shortly be time for him to return to his wife indicating that arrangements would ultimately be ordered to receive her at raynham richard had replied nothing which might mean excess of gratitude or hypocrisy in concealing his pleasure 
or any one of the thousand shifts by which gratified human nature expresses itself when all is made to run smooth with it now mrs berry had her surprise ready charged for the young husband she had lucy in her own house waiting for him every day she expected him to call and be overcome by the rapturous surprise and every day knowing his habit of frequenting the park she marched lucy thither under the plea that master richard whom she had already christened should have an airing the round of the red winter sun was behind the bare kensington chestnuts when these two parties met happily for lucy and the hope she bore in her bosom she was perversely admiring a fair horsewoman galloping by at the moment mrs berry plucked at her gown once or twice to prepare her eyes for the shock but lucy's head was still half averted and thinks mrs berry twon't hurt her if she go into his arms head foremost they were close mrs berry performed the bob preliminary richard held her silent with a terrible face he grasped her arm and put her behind him other people intervened lucy saw nothing to account for berry's excessive flutter berry threw it on the air and some breakfast bacon which she said she knew in the morning while she ate it was bad for the bile and which probably was the cause of her bursting into tears much to lucy's astonishment what you ate makes you cry mrs berry it's all mrs berry pressed at her heart and leaned sideways it's all stomach my dear don't ye mind and becoming aware of her unfashionable behaviour she trailed off to the shelter of the elms you have a singular manner with old ladies said sir austin to his son after berry had been swept aside scarcely courteous she behaved like a mad woman certainly are you ill my son richard was death pale his strong form smitten through with weakness the baronet sought adrian's eye adrian had seen lucy as they passed and he had a glimpse of richard's countenance while disposing of barry had lucy recognized them he would have gone to her unhesitatingly as she did not he thought it well under the circumstances to leave matters as they were he answered the baronet's look with a shrug are you ill richard sir austin again asked his son come on sir come on cried richard his father's further meditations as they stepped briskly to the forays gave poor barry a character which one who lectures on matrimony and has kissed but three men in her life shrieks to hear the very title of richard will go to his wife to-morrow sir austin said to adrian some time before they went in to dinner adrian asked him if he had chanced to see a young fair-haired lady by the side of the old one richard had treated so peculiarly and to the baronet's acknowledgment that he remembered to have observed such a person adrian said that was his wife sir sir austin could not dissect the living subject as if a bullet had torn open the young man's skull and some blast of battle laid his palpitating organization bare 
he watched every motion of his brain and his heart and with the grief and terror of one whose mental habit was ever to pierce to extremes not altogether conscious that he had hitherto played with life he felt that he was suddenly plunged into the stormful reality of it he projected to speak plainly to his son on all points that night richard is very gay mrs doria whispered her brother all will be right with him to-morrow he replied for the game had been in his hands so long so long had he been the god of the machine that having once resolved to speak plainly and to act he was to a certain extent secure bad as the thing to mend might be i notice he has rather a wild laugh i don't exactly like his eyes said mrs doria you will see a change in him to-morrow the man of science remarked it was reserved for mrs doria herself to experience that change in the middle of the dinner a telegraphic message from her son-in-law worthy john todd hunter reached the house stating that clare was alarmingly ill bidding her come instantly she cast about for some one to accompany her and fixed on richard before he would give his consent for richard to go sir austin desired to speak with him apart and in that interview he said to his son my dear richard it was my intention that we should come to an understanding together this night but the time is short poor helen cannot spare many minutes let me then say that you deceived me and that i forgive you we fix our seal on the past you will bring your wife to me when you return and very cheerfully the baronet looked down on the generous future he thus founded will you have her at raynham at once sir said richard yes my son when you bring her are you mocking me sir pray what do you mean i ask you to receive her at once well the delay cannot be long i do not apprehend that you will be kept from your happiness many days i think it will be some time sir said richard sighing deeply and what mental freak is this that can induce you to postpone it and play with your first duty what is my first duty sir since you are married to be with your wife i have heard that from an old woman called barry said richard to himself not intending irony will you receive her at once he asked resolutely the baronet was clouded by his son's reception of his graciousness his grateful prospect had formerly been richard's marriage the culmination of his system richard had destroyed his participation in that he now looked for a pretty scene in recompense richard leading up his wife to him and both being welcomed by him paternally and so held one ostentatious minute in his embrace he said before you return i demur to receiving her very well sir replied his son and stood as if he had spoken all really you tempt me to fancy you already regret your rash proceeding the baronet exclaimed and the next moment it pained him he had uttered the words richard's eyes were so sorrowfully fierce 
it pained him but he divined in that look a history and he could not refrain from glancing acutely and asking do you regret it sir the question aroused one of those struggles in the young man's breast which a passionate storm of tears may still and which sink like leaden death into the soul when tears come not richard's eyes had the light of the desert do you his father repeated you tempt me i almost fear you do at the thought for he expressed his mind the pity that he had for richard was not pure gold ask me what i think of her sir ask me what she is ask me what it is to have taken one of god's precious angels and chained her to misery ask me what it is to have plunged a sword into her heart and to stand over her and see such a creature bleeding do i regret that why yes i do would you his eyes flew hard at his father under the ridge of his eyebrows sir austin winced and reddened did he understand there is ever in the mind's eye a certain wilfulness we see and understand we see and won't understand tell me why you passed by her as you did this afternoon he said gravely and in the same voice richard answered i passed her because i could not do otherwise your wife richard yes my wife if she had seen you richard god spared her that mrs doria bustling in practical haste and bearing richard's hat and greatcoat in her energetic hands came between them at this juncture dimples of commiseration were in her cheeks while she kissed her brother's perplexed forehead she forgot her trouble about clare deploring his fatuity sir austin was forced to let his son depart as of old he took counsel with adrian and the wise youth was soothing somebody has kissed him sir and the chaste boy can't get over it this absurd suggestion did more to appease the baronet than if adrian had given a veritable reasonable key to richard's conduct it set him thinking that it might be a prudish strain in the young man's mind due to the system in difficulties i may have been wrong in one thing he said with an air of the utmost doubt of it i perhaps was wrong in allowing him so much liberty during his probation adrian pointed out to him that he had distinctly commanded it yes yes that is on me his was an order of mind that would accept the most burdensome charges and by some species of moral usury make a profit out of them clare was little talked of adrian attributed the employment of the telegraph to john todd hunter's uxorious distress at a toothache or possibly the first symptoms of an heir to his house that child's mind has disease in it she is not sound said the baronet on the doorstep of the hotel when they returned stood mrs barry her wish to speak a few words with the baronet reverentially communicated she was ushered upstairs into his room mrs barry compressed her person in the chair she was beckoned to occupy well ma'am you have something to say observed the baronet for she seemed loath to commence 
wishin i hadn't mrs berry took him up and mindful of the good rule to begin at the beginning pursued i dare say sir austin you don't remember me and i little thought when last we parted our meeting ud be like this twenty year don't go over one without showin it no more than twenty ox it's a mite o time twenty year leastways not quite twenty it ain't round figures are best adrian remarked in them round figures a beloved son have growed up and got himself married said mrs berry diving straight into the case sir austin then learnt that he had before him the culprit who had assisted his son in that venture it was a stretch of his patience to hear himself addressed on a family matter but he was naturally courteous he came to my house sir austin a stranger if twenty year alters us as have knowed each other on the earth how must they alter they that we parted with just come from heaven and a heavenly babe he were so sweet so strong so fat adrian laughed aloud mrs berry bumped a curtsey to him in her chair continuing i wished afore i spoke to say how thankful am i bound to be for my pension not cut short as have offended so but that i know sir austin feverell raynham abbey ain't one of them that likes to hear their good deeds published and a pension to me now it's something more than it were for a pension and pretty rosy cheeks in a maid which i was that's a bait many a man'll bite that won't so a forsaken wife if you will speak to the point ma'am i will listen to you the baronet interrupted her it's the beginning that's the worst and that's over thank the lord so i'll speak sir austin and say my say lord speed me believin our idees a matrimony to be similar then i'll say once married married for life yes i don't even like widows for i can't stop at the grave not at the tomb i can't stop my husband's my husband and if i'm a body at the resurrection i say speakin humbly my berry is the husband o my body and to think of two claimin of me then it makes me hot all over such is my notion of that state tween man and woman no given in marriage o course i know and if so i'm single the baronet suppressed a smile really my good woman you wander very much beggin pardon sir austin but i has my point before me all the same and i'm comin to it acknowledgin our error it done and bein done it's writ aloft oh if you only knew what a sweet young creature she be indeed taint all of humble birth that's unworthy sir austin and she got her idees too she reads history she talked that sensible as would surprise ye but for all that she's a prey to the artful of men unprotected and it's a young marriage but there's no fear for her as far as she go the fear is t'other way there's that in a man at the commencement which make of him lord knows what if you any way interferes whereas a woman bides quiet it's consolation catcher which is what we mean by seduin 
whereas a man he's a savage sir austin turned his face to adrian who was listening with huge delight well ma'am i see you have something in your mind if you would only come to it quickly then here's my point sir austin i say you bred him so as there ain't another young gentleman like him in england and proud he make me and as for her i'll risk saying it's done and no harm you might search england through and nowhere will ye find a maid that's his match like his own wife then there they be are they together as should be oh lord no months they've been divided then she all lonely and exposed i went and fetched her out of seducers ways which they may say what they like but the ensign is most open to when they're healthy and confiding i fetch her and the liberty boxed her safe in my own house so much for that sweet that you may do with women but it's him mr richard i am bold i know but there i'm in for it and the lord'll help me it's him sir austin in this great metropolis warm from a young marriage it's him and i say nothing of her and how sweet she bears it and it's eaten her at a time when nature should have no other trouble but the one that's going on it's him and i ask so bold shall there and a christian gentleman his father shall there be a tug between him as a son and him as a husband soon to be something else i speak bold out i'd have sons obey their fathers but a priest's word spoke over them which there now in my ears i say i ain't a doubt on earth i'm sure there ain't one in heaven which duties the holier of the two sir austin heard her to an end their views on the junction of the sexes were undoubtedly akin to be lectured on his prime subject however was slightly disagreeable and to be obliged mentally to assent to this old lady's doctrine was rather humiliating when it could not be averred that he had latterly followed it out he sat cross-legged and silent a finger to his temple one gets so addlegated thinking many things said mrs berry simply that's why we see wonder clever people going wrong to my mind i think it's allays the plan in a dilemmer to pray god and walk forward the keen-witted soft woman was tracking the baronet's thoughts and she had absolutely run him down and taken an explanation out of his mouth by which mrs berry was to have been informed that he had acted from a principle of his own and evolved a wisdom she could not be expected to comprehend of course he became advised immediately that it would be waste of time to direct such an explanation to her inferior capacity he gave her his hand saying my son has gone out of town to see his cousin who is ill he will return in two or three days and then they will both come to me at raynham mrs berry took the tips of his fingers and went half-way to the floor perpendicularly he passed her like a stranger in the park this evening she faltered ah said the baronet yes well they will be at raynham before the week is over mrs berry was not quite satisfied not of his own accord he passed that sweet young wife of his like a stranger this day sir austin i must beg you not to intrude further ma'am mrs berry bobbed her bunch of a body out of the room all's well that ends well she said to herself it's just bad inquiring too close among men we must take em something like providence as they come thank heaven i kept back the baby in mrs berry's eyes the baby was the victorious reserve 
adrian asked his chief what he thought of that specimen of woman i think i have not met a better in my life said the baronet mingling praise and sarcasm claire lies in her bed as placid as in the days when she breathed her white hands stretch their length along the sheets at peace from head to feet she needs iron no more richard is face to face with death for the first time he sees the sculpture of clay the spark gone claire gave her mother the welcome of the dead this child would have spoken nothing but kind commonplaces had she been alive she was dead and none knew her malady on her fourth finger were two wedding rings when hours of weeping had silenced the mother's anguish she for some comfort she saw in it pointed out that strange thing to richard speaking low in the chamber of the dead and then he learnt that it was his own lost ring claire wore in the two worlds he learnt from her husband that claire's last request had been that neither of the rings should be removed she had written it she would not speak it i beg of my husband and all kind people who may have the care of me between this and the grave to bury me with my hands untouched the tracing of the words showed the bodily torment she was suffering as she wrote them on a scrap of paper found beside her pillow in wonder as the dim idea grew from the waving of claire's dead hand richard paced the house and hung about the awful room dreading to enter it reluctant to quit it the secret claire had buried while she lived arose with her death he saw it play like flame across her marble features the memory of her voice was like a knife at his nerves his coldness to her started up accusingly her meekness was bitter blame on the evening of the fourth day her mother came to him in his bedroom with a face so white that he asked himself if aught worse could happen to a mother than the loss of her child choking she said to him read this and thrust a leather-bound pocket-book trembling in his hand she would not breathe to him what it was she entreated him not to open it before her tell me she said tell me what you think john must not hear of it i have nobody to consult but you o oh, richard my diary was written in the round hand of claire's childhood on the first page the first name as i encountered was his own richard's fourteenth birthday i have worked him a purse and put it under his pillow because he is going to have plenty of money he does not notice me now because he has a friend now and he is ugly but richard is not and never will be the occurrences of that day were subsequently recorded and a childish prayer to god for him set down step by step he saw her growing mind in his history as she advanced in years she began to look back and made much of little trivial remembrances all bearing upon him we went into the fields and gathered cowslips together and pelted each other and i told him he used to call them cole's sleeps when he was a baby and he was angry at my telling him for he does not like to be told he was ever a baby he remembered the incident and remembered his stupid scorn of her meek affection little claire how she lived before him in her white dress and pink ribbons and soft dark eyes upstairs she was lying dead he read on mamma says there is no one in the world like richard and i am sure there is not not in the whole world he says he is going to be a great general and going to the wars if he does i shall dress myself as a boy and go after him and he will not know me till i am wounded oh i pray he will never never be wounded i wonder what i should feel if richard was ever to die upstairs claire was lying dead lady blandish said there was a likeness between richard and me 
richard said i hope i do not hang down my head as she does he is angry with me because i do not look people in the face and speak out but i know i am not looking after earthworms yes he had told her that a shiver seized him at the recollection then it came to a period when the words richard kissed me stood by themselves and marked a day in her life afterwards it was solemnly discovered that richard wrote poetry he read one of his old forgotten compositions penned when he had that ambition thy truth to me is truer than horse or dog or blade thy vows to me are fewer than ever maiden made thou steppest from thy splendour to make my life a song my bosom shall be tender as thine has risen strong all the verses were transcribed it is he who is the humble knight clare explained at the close and his lady is a queen any queen would throw her crown away for him it came to that period when clare left raynham with her mother richard was not sorry to lose me he only loves boys and men something tells me i shall never see raynham again he was dressed in blue he said good-bye clare and kissed me on the cheek richard never kisses me on the mouth he did not know i went to his bed and kissed him while he was asleep he sleeps with one arm under his head and the other out on the bed i moved away a bit of his hair that was over his eyes i wanted to cut it i have one piece i do not let anyone see i am unhappy not even mamma she says i want iron i am sure i do not i like to write my name clare doria forey richards is richard doria feverell his breast rose convulsively clare doria foray he knew the music of that name he had heard it somewhere it sounded faint and mellow now behind the hills of death he could not read for tears it was midnight the hour seemed to belong to her the awful stillness and the darkness were clare's clare's voice clear and cold from the grave possessed it painfully with blinded eyes he looked over the breathless pages she spoke of his marriage and her finding the ring i knew it was his i knew he was going to be married that morning i saw him stand by the altar when they laughed at breakfast his wife must be so beautiful richard's wife perhaps he will love me better now he is married mamma says they must be separated that is shameful if i can help him i will i pray so that he may be happy i hope god hears poor sinners prayers i am very sinful nobody knows it as i do they say i am good but i know when i look on the ground i am not looking after earthworms as he said oh do forgive me god then she spoke of her own marriage and that it was her duty to obey her mother a blank in the diary ensued i have seen richard richard despises me was the next entry but now as he read his eyes were fixed and the delicate feminine handwriting like a black thread drew on his soul to one terrible conclusion i cannot live richard despises me i cannot bear the touch of my fingers or the sight of my face oh i understand him now he should not have kissed me so that last time i wished to die while his mouth was on mine further i have no escape richard said he would die rather than endure it i know he would why should i be afraid to do what he would do i think if my husband whipped me i could bear it better he is so kind and tries to make me cheerful he will soon be very unhappy i pray to god half the night i seem to be losing sight of my god the more i pray richard laid the book open on the table phantom surges seemed to be mounting and travelling for his brain 
had clare taken his wild words in earnest did she lie there dead he shrouded the thought he wrapped the thoughts in shrouds but he was again reading a quarter to one o'clock i shall not be alive this time to-morrow i shall never see richard now i dreamed last night we were in the fields together and he walked with his arm round my waist we were children but i thought we were married and i showed him i wore his ring and he said if you always wear it clare you are as good as my wife then i made a vow to wear it for ever and ever it is not mamma's fault she does not think as richard and i do of these things he is not a coward nor am i he hates cowards i have written to his father to make him happy perhaps when i am dead he will hear what i say i heard just now richard call distinctly clare come out to me surely he has not gone i am going i know not where i cannot think i am very cold the words were written larger and staggered towards the close as if her hand had lost mastery over the pen i can only remember richard now a boy a little boy and a big boy i am not sure now of his voice i can only remember certain words clary and don ricardo and his laugh he used to be full of fun once we laughed all day together tumbling in the hay then he had a friend and began to write poetry and be proud if i had married a young man he would have forgiven me but i should not have been happier i must have died god never looks on me it is past two o'clock the sheep are bleeding outside it must be very cold in the ground good-bye richard with his name it began and ended even to herself clare was not over-communicative the book was slender yet her nineteen years of existence left half the number of pages white those last words drew him irresistibly to gaze on her there she lay the same impassive clare for a moment he wondered she had not moved to him she had become so different she who had just filled his ears with strange tidings it was not possible to think her dead she seemed to have been speaking to him all through his life his image was on that still heart he dismissed the night watches from the room and remained with her alone till the sense of death oppressed him and then the shock sent him to the window to look for sky and stars behind a low broad pine hung with frosty mist he heard a bellwether of the flock in the silent fold death in life it sounded the mother found him praying at the foot of clare's bed she knelt by his side and they prayed and their joint sobs shook their bodies then neither of them shed many tears they held a dark unspoken secret in common they prayed god to forgive her clare was buried in the family vault of the todd hunters her mother breathed no wish to have her lying at lowborn after the funeral what they alone upon earth knew brought them together richards he said the worst is over for me i have no one to love but you dear we have all been fighting against god and this richard you will come with me and be united to your wife and spare my brother what i suffer he answered the broken spirit i have killed one she sees me as i am i cannot go with you to my wife because i am not worthy to touch her hand and were i to go i should do this to silence my self-contempt go you to her and when she asks of me say i have a death upon my head that no say that i am abroad seeking for that which shall cleanse me if i find it i shall come to claim her if not god help us all she had no strength to contest his solemn words or stay him and he went forth End of chapter 40